And now it's time for us to read the word of the Lord. Uh, this is reading is from the book of 2 Kings, and it tells that story that Leah was talking about, that passing of the mantle, the baton, starting with verse 5. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet, if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. The company of the prophets from Jericho, who were watching, said, The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Look, they said, we are your servants. We, your servants, have 50 able men. Let them go and look for your master. Perhaps the spirit of the Lord has picked him up and set him down on some mountain or in some valley. No, Elisha replied, do not send them. But they persisted until he was too embarrassed to refuse. So he said, send them. And they sent 50 men who searched for three days but did not find him. When they returned to Elisha, who was staying in Jericho, he said to them, didn't I tell you not to go? This is the word of God for a people of God. Thanks be to God. And now we invite uh, Pastor Allen to come up and share the word of God with Thank us. Thank you, Russ, for reading that. Good morning, church. Welcome to those of you who are in-house and those who are online. It is always my prayer 
that you'll be blessed in some special way for worshiping this day. It's a great day outside. I know finally it feels like you can breathe again. Hmm? Well, you know, uh, it was 1981, and I had served as the pastor of the Marinci United Methodist Church uh, for eight years, the longest serving pastor of that church in their history. Uh, Judy and I were very involved in that little uh, rural town. Uh, Judy taught piano lessons and had a baton corps of about 70 kids from that town. I was involved in Kiwanis and uh, headed up a fundraising project to uh, honor a long-serving principal in that community. Uh, I headed up the adult summer athletic program. I even ran for school board unsuccessfully. We were very involved in that church. And when it came time for us to get ready to leave, I was going back to graduate school to work on my doctorate and do some clinical training. Uh, the editor of the local paper came to our house and, and took a picture of the family and put that picture on the front page of the newspaper with the headlines, Pastor Hansen leaving town. You know, uh, as we were leaving, driving away, uh, you know, both of our kids had been born while we were in that town. And so as we were leaving, my son, who was not yet six years old, said to me, do you know what the 11th commandment is? Now, I was pretty impressed. Uh, in my book, there were always 10 commandments. And for a kid who was not yet six years old to know that if he was going to add one, it had to at least be the 11th, that's pretty impressive. And I said, no, Jay, I, I don't know what is the 11th commandment. Well, you shall not move while you have friends. <laughs> Moving when you have friends is tough. To have friends move is difficult. And that's where we are, isn't it? We have had friends in our church leave us. We have had a longtime beloved pastor retire. And, you know, I've been around long enough to know that when a pastor leaves, uh, there are some who are waving and smiling and saying, should have left a long time ago. And then there are others who are waving and crying and saying, I wish he wouldn't have going. And you probably couldn't hear the little girl down here say to Leah, I, I'm going to miss Pastor Steve. Yeah. And then there are others who've been in the Methodist system a long time say, well, that's the Methodist system. Uh, you know, one goes and they'll send somebody else next week. Be different. Maybe you're in one of those groups. As I pondered that, that transition time that we're in, I couldn't help but think of this story of Elijah and Elisha. We don't know a lot about Elijah, really. Uh, we don't know how the Spirit moved on his life. We don't know how and when in his life he responded to that call to, to be a messenger of God. Here's how the Bible presents Elijah to us in the 17th chapter of 1 Kings. Now Elijah, the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain for the next few years except by my word. That's it. We don't know 
uh, about Elijah, except that it says he's a Tishbite. That uh, he immediately is sent to confront Ahab, and uh, with him, his queen Isabel. Now, what in the world is a Tishbite? A Tishbite is somebody from the region of Gilead, which is a mountainous region on the north side of the Jordan, uh, on the east side of the Jordan. Uh, it, it was a land that had originally been given to the tribes of Gad and Reuben and the half-tribe of Manasseh when the Israelites came into the Promised Land out of Egypt. Uh, Gilead was known for its healing balm, a, a salve that came from certain trees, uh, and it gave rise to that African-American uh, spiritual. There is a balm in Gilead that heals the sin-sick soul. It was also uh, the location of Ramath, Gilead, one of six sanctuary cities, three on the east side of the Jordan and three on the west side of the Jordan. And sanctuary cities are a biblical concept, not some new invention that we've come up with. Gilead was also a, a place where nomadic settlers had come in and uh, took on the religion of the Jewish people. So we don't really know if, if Elijah was part of the original tribes of Israel or if, in fact, he was one of the nomadic folks who settled there and uh, took on the faith. What we do know is that he was a fierce defender of Yahweh. In fact, uh, he, the Tishbite name means uh, thus of settlers. So, you know, maybe he was one of these immigrant folks, if you will. Elijah's name means uh, God is Yahweh. He was a prophet in the northern kingdom of Israel. And his job was to con confront uh, Ahab and Jezebel and their introduction of Baal worship, fertility worship, to the people and into the country and try to get them to return back to a worship of Yahweh. Elijah is credited with uh, performing eight miracles. So some people identify some others, but eight is a generally accepted number of miracles that he uh, performed. First of all was producing the drought. Later he would relieve that and, and uh, bring back the rain. But during the drought, ravens uh, fed him. And uh, when that stopped, when the food stopped coming, he found a widow, a widow of Zephath, uh, who had very little provisions, but she was willing to share with him. And so he took mercy on him and provi helped provide her with, with food. And when one of her sons died, he would raise that son from the dead. On two different occasions, soldiers were sent to kill him, and he was able to defeat them. Uh, in our scripture, we read how he... He struck the Jordan River and it parted and he crossed across on dry land, sort of like Moses did, the Red Sea, or Joshua did when they entered into the Promised Land. But his greatest miracle happened at Mar Mount Carmel. Do you remember this story? Uh, I'm going to ad-lib a little bit here, but uh, he, he goes to Ahab and Jezebel and he says, okay, 
You, you think uh, the Baal gods are, are the powerful thing? Let's have it out. Let's, let's have a showdown, if you will. And so he challenges the Baal priests uh, to build an altar and uh, call upon their gods and see if it'll be consumed with fire. 450 of them come. And uh, they build their altar, and early in the morning, it says, they, they began to pray and to sing and to implore the Baal gods to send down fire and, and concern the bull that they had placed on the altar. Elijah watched this uh, until late in the day. And finally he said, well, you know, maybe your God just isn't paying attention. Yet. Can, can you be a little louder, get his attention? And so they whooped it up a little bit more. He said, well, you know, maybe he's off doing some other business. Uh, uh, be more enthusiastic. And so they prayed more and they danced around until they were limping as they danced around this altar. And finally he said, you know, enough. You've had your chance. And so he built an altar. He took 12 stones, each stone representing one of the tribes of Israel. And he put wood on top of that. And then he took a, a bull and he set it on top uh, the carcass on the top of the, the altar. And he, he dug a big trench around this altar that he had built. And then he had 12 large jars of water poured all over this uh, altar until it filled, flowed down and filled this trench around the altar. And then he prayed. Lord God of Abraham and Isaac, in Israel. Let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I have done all of these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so that these people will know that you are Lord, or you, Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. And then it came fire from the heavens and it consumed the bull and it consumed the wood and it evaporated all the water that was there. It burned so hot, scripture says, that the rocks themselves turned to dust. And the people knew that God was Yahweh and they turned their hearts back. But Abraham, or Ahab and uh, Jezebel, they remained unrepentant. And so Elijah takes the 450 Baal priests and have, has them killed. Then he realizes what he's done. The queen is angry. The queen has sworn to take his life. And so he runs away to Mount Horeb. And do you remember what happened there? God appeared to him. First came fire and wind, but God wasn't in the fire. And it wasn't in the wind. You know, we often like the flash and the dash and the fancy and the miraculous and the big to find God, don't we? But God came to Elijah in a still, small voice, gave him encouragement and sent him back to do his work. And we've been reminded that, you know, it uh, pays to be still, to take time to reflect and to meditate and to listen carefully to the word of God. God comes very often 
in those moments of silence, reflection, and meditation. Well, all of this stuff that was going on uh, built up Elijah's uh, reputation as a, a mighty man of God. And uh, the people in the kingdom tended to focus on his personality and follow his personality. And they missed God or Yahweh's presence and Yahweh's provision. And we too sometimes can get caught up in the personality of the minister and become personality followers. You know, I like that guy. I don't like this guy. Um, but it isn't the personality of the minister. It's the one who sends the minister that we need to be focused on. God is our focus. Jesus is our focus. The work of the Spirit is our focus. Well, Elijah, he liked to be a bit of a loner, do his own thing, even though he had other followers. You know, he was the head of a school of prophets. And one of those folks along the way who became a believer and a follower was Elisha. And scripture says that Elijah met him when Elisha was plowing in the fields. He had a, a, a yoke of oxen that he was working with. And we don't know the conversation that they had, much like we don't know the conversation Jesus had with the fishermen, you know, Peter and James and Andrew and John. But in the end, what did they do? They left their nets and they followed Jesus. In the same way, Elisha left his oxen and became a follower of Elijah. In time, uh, it was clear that Elijah's ministry was coming to an end, and uh, he wanted to go off by himself and meet God. But Elisha said, no, I, I've, I won't leave you. I, I'm going with you. And so they went. And uh, Elijah says to Elisha, well, what can I do for you? And he says, I would like a double your mantle. I would like twice your blessing. I want to carry on the responsibility that you have. I want to have twice your spirit. I want to do your work. I want to bring the people and Ahab and Jezebel back to you. He was seeking Elisha's, or Elijah's blessing. But more than that, he was seeking Yahweh's blessing. And that's indeed what happened. Elijah goes up in a whirlwind. Elisha receives the blessing. He goes back, and the, the prophets recognize that the spirit of Elijah is now on Elisha. But what did they say? Fifty of them said, you know, maybe Elijah is just over there in a valley someplace or over there on a mountain. Let's, let's go look for him. Elisha implored them not to go, but they insisted. And sometimes, you know... Uh, letting go is a difficult thing when friends move. And uh, when a beloved pastor goes, people still want to call upon them for pastoral duties, like maybe a wedding or a funeral or a baptism. We need to honor Steve's retirement and let him go. That's the difficult work of having friends move. I know that we'll accept Cindy's receiving the mantle of responsibility to now be our pastor, our shepherd. For the mantle has been passed. It's interesting to note that Elisha becomes an important prophet in his own right. 
he performs some of the same miracles that uh, Elijah did. He parts the water of the Jordan and so they can walk across on dry land. When Elijah helped a widow who ministered to him, Elisha did a similar thing, but a little bit different. He found a woman whose two children were going to be taken from her because her husband had died. Uh, she couldn't pay his bills, so they were going to be taken into slavery. And so Elisha meets her need, sets her up as an oil merchant, if you will, so she can pay her bills and her children are saved. And when one of them dies, he brings them back to life. Elisha did a lot of the things that Elijah did, but is now credited with 16 miracles, more than what Elijah had done. Elijah called people to repentance and demonstrated God's sovereignty. Elisha took a more pastoral approach and helped people when they were in distress or in need. Both confronted the king and the queen, but Elisha was a little more influential in the end. Elijah was kind of this solitary, harsh character. Elisha formed more relationships and more pastoral, if you will. So what do we make of all of this? What are some lessons that we can learn in our own time of transition? I was thinking of this and I thought of uh, Jesus entering into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and the crowd is, is singing hallelujah and uh, the official said to Jesus, tell these people to be quiet. And Jesus says, if they were quiet, the rocks themselves would cry out. One of the things we know is that God will not be without a voice. He will see to it that the good news of the gospel is heard and proclaimed and responded to. Second thing that occurs to me is that uh, not all of God's messengers are the same. They come from different backgrounds. They are equipped differently. They're prepared to minister in different ways. Their voices will be different. What they emphasize about God's word may be different. They will work differently. How they appear will be different. Sometimes the word that comes to us from them will be challenging and uncomfortable. Sometimes it will be encouraging and comforting. Our job is to be open and receptive and to reflect and meditate on the word that God's sends to us. Third thing that comes to me as I think about Elijah and Elisha is that they were sent. They were sent to do something. We are a sent people. Jesus doesn't just call us to be believers and to sit comfortably in our pew by ourselves. He calls us and then sends us out with a message. Elijah was sent immediately to Ahab. The disciples were called and spent some time learning and, and being equipped. And then what? Go and make disciples of the nations, teaching them and baptizing them. They were sent. 
We are a sent people. The church is not meant to be a fortress where we come to sit comfortably. It's a mission outpost where we come to be taught and equipped and fortified to go out into the world and share the good news of the gospel in whatever way is is appropriate for us. We are all messengers of God. To any of you who are young folks here, who are thinking about your future, who are maybe in college preparing for a job, let me ask you a question. Is it possible that God is speaking to you to consider full-time Christian service in some way? That might be as a pastor, it might be as a chaplain, it might be as a teacher, it might be as a missionary, using your medical background, your agricultural background, your technological background, someplace where it's needed. Is God speaking to you to be a youth worker, a children's worker? Is it possible that God's spirit is nudging you to consider Christian service? Can you hear that still, small voice of God speaking to you? Maybe like Elisha, God is speaking to you who, folks who have already a career, calling you to become a second career person, if you will. Is God saying, you know, you have experience and expertise that I can use to make my word known in the world? Is God inviting you to hear a call to some kind of ministry? Perhaps... It is that some of you are working in careers that uh, now you need to move away from and take on more Christian service. A fourth thing that we might learn from these stories of Elijah and Elisha is that they were different people. We can expect that Pastor Cindy is going to be different than Pastor Steve. But just as God was present and active in the ministry of Elijah and Elisha, we know that God was active and present in the ministry of Pastor Steve and is and will be active in the ministry of Pastor Cindy. At a time when the church participation is going down across the country, at a time when COVID has made major shifts in church attendance at a time when cultural divides out there in the world have found their way into denominations and local congregations. We can be assured that God is not done speaking yet. God is not done with Face Westwood. God is not done speaking to our culture through our denomination and through this congregation. God has sent us a new voice to declare the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God is sending us a new messenger to lead us on our personal spiritual journeys and on our corporate spiritual journeys, maybe to new and greater areas of growth and service and mission and relationships. Some of you were here last week and you saw the the video introducing 
Pastor Cindy and her family. We'd like, for those who weren't there, we'd like to show that video again so that you might be acquainted with uh, Pastor Cindy and her family. If you'll show that video, please. My name is Cindy Stewart, and I'm going to be serving as the lead pastor of Faith Westwood United Methodist Church, and I wanted to introduce my family to you. Hi, I'm her husband, Clint. Good to meet you. I'm her youngest daughter, Emma. I'm Isabel. And I'm Ryan. And I would like my family to talk about kind of where they're at in life right now. <laughs> would you like to start over there? On yeah, the yeah, absolutely. <laughs> We're the Talkingtons. We're uh, currently located in Bowling Green, Missouri. Uh, we just moved from Maryville. Uh, I'm going to be teaching ag at a local high school, Vandalia, Missouri. And I will be working in agriculture and teaching yoga classes. I'm going to be heading into my senior year of college at Chattanooga College. And I will continue to farm up in northeast Nebraska and continue to serve two churches as a lay pastor, Calvary United Methodist Church in Fremont and Christ United Methodist Church in Schuyler. We are looking forward to getting to know all of you and having an opportunity to engage in much mission and ministry. We'll see you later. Bye. Okay, we look forward to uh, meeting Pastor Cindy on the 9th. You know, the 11th commandment aside, we are going to move forward with God's provision. We can Rejoice. Greater things are yet to come. God has not left us alone. We will go forth in God's name, our daily labors to pursue, and go into new areas of ministry, and God's will will be done, whatever task God has for us to do. Amen and amen.